Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to another episode of the Storybox podcast, where I, your esteemed host, Jay Phantom, has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox amazing stories from incredible people twice a week. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the story box and hear more about our guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 35 with the best-selling author and global keynote speaker, Mr. John Gordon. Guys, I'm really excited about this episode because I have John Gordon on the Storybox podcast today. Now, a little bit of a backstory about who John actually is. John is a best-selling author and keynote speaker. His talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. His principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professionals, and college sports teams, schools, districts, hospitals, and non-for-profits. He's the author of over 22 books and including eight bestsellers, which are The Energy Bus, The Carpenter, Training Camp, You Win in the Locker Room First, The Power of Positive Leadership, The Power of a Positive Team, The Coffee Bean, and his latest, Stay Positive. And I believe he's got another one out called The Garden as well. John and his tips have been featured on the Today Show and CNN, sorry, CNBC, The Golf Channel, Fox, and Friends uh, in numerous magazines and newspapers. His clients have included the LA uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, Campbell Soups, Dell, Publix, Southwest Airlines, Miami Heat. You hear me talk about that in the intro, in the, um, the actual uh, interview. I love the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Rams, Snapchat, BB&T, Bank, Clemson Football, Northwestern Mutual, West Point Academy, and so many more. John is also a graduate of Cornell University and holds a master's in teaching from Emory University. He and his uh, training consultancy company are passionate about developing positive leaders and organizations and teams as well. On this episode, guys, John and I talk about his definition of success, what that means to him. Then I was curious about asking him what inspired him to write over 22 books in the first place and why he's so positive and what is positivity and how can we actually implement that in our own life. Spirituality. So John, uh, his, his, uh, his faith and how that has played a key role in his life at this present point in time. Then we get to talking about his relationship and how that his, his marriage almost ended and what he had to do to fix that. So it's a very, very good episode. I, I wish I had more time to ask John more questions. Who knows? It might be part two. Uh, I appreciate you, John. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So without me continuing on, guys, let's dive into the story box and hear John Gordon's story. My goodness, John, welcome so much to the story box podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. And um, that was a very nice introduction, but I usually don't 
have all that because really what matters most is that I say something today that will inspire people. I love that. To take action tomorrow. But I love that. Um, I love that you love the Miami Heat. And that's my I team. If, <laughs> I wonder if the folks in, in Australia will know any any of the uh, any of the teams we're talking about. I hope so. I really hope so. Um, I know all my friends, they're into basketball. So I know that they know that I love the Miami Heat and it's my team. I used to have uh, Dwayne Wade was my, my guy. He was the one that I used to watch all the time, play with Shaq, winning the 2006 championship and then the 2012, 2013 with LeBron and Chris Bosh. So I've been following them for ages. Then Hassan Whiteside came in, his blocks and oh, Man, it was great. Um, I could talk to you about the heat for ages, but I want to focus more on your career and your life a little bit. And before we get started into how you got started doing this, I usually ask one question, uh, and that is, what is your definition of success? Mm. My definition of success is really more about significance. It's about making an impact in the lives of others. Mm. And so you aren't a true success unless you help others be successful. So mm. I would say that's my definition. I love that. Where do you think this idea of success came from for you? Was it a gradual thing over time or was there somewhere in your life, was there a catalyst moment for you? I used to think it was about money. Mm. I used to think it was about fame. I used to think it was about, you know, worldly things. And over time, what you learn and what you realize is that success is about others. It's about relationships. It's about investing in others. It's about doing what you're born to do. It's about living your purpose. Mm. It's about showing up every day and being happy with the life you're living and what you're working towards, what you're creating. Mm. And so over time you have a, a new definition mm. and it's changed for me when I've grown, when I've learned, when I've moved away from myself to others. So mm. I would say it's been an, an evolutionary process. And speaking about purpose for a little bit and your purpose and how you ended up finding your purpose, how did that occur for you early on? Well, it happened because I was so negative and my wife came up to me and she said, I love you, mm. but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. You need wow. to change. So it was a wake up call for me. And I remember thinking, why am I so miserable? Why am I here? Mm. And so I asked what I was born to do. Why am I here? It was a prayer. God, why am I here? Mm. I wasn't a really a praying person, but I just said, God, why am I here? Mm. I don't here for a reason. And writing and speaking came to me. Mm. And in that moment, I knew what I was going to do. I knew that this was gonna, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. It was a very cool moment. It was one of those mm. like eureka moments, but it's led me to write all these books that I write now. You said 20, but I have two more coming out soon though. So, wow. so <laughs> 22 soon. 22 books and eight of them have been bestsellers. And four uh, children's books, four children's books as well. Four children's know, books 20. as well. And what inspired you to write these books? You know, when I knew I was supposed to write and speak, I said, what am I supposed to write and speak about? Mm. And positivity was the one I need to focus on because I wanted to be more positive. Mm. And so you teach what you need to learn. Mm. And as I started to learn it, I became a better teacher. I'm naturally a pessimistic optimist. So I naturally go towards a negative, but then I find this eternal hope, this ray of, of sunlight, mm. of sunshine, of an eternal optimism that somehow, some way things are going to get better. Even mm. now what we're going through, I've been negative at times. I've been feeling the pressure and the stress. Like a lot of people I've been wanting to move forward back to normal life. Mm. And yet at the same time, I know that 
tomorrow's going to be better. That somehow, some way we're going to get through this, mm. this too shall pass. And I can't focus on what would have been because mm. I was having a great year in January and February. Yep. I have to focus on what will be, what am I going to create mm. and what will be? So I'm focused on creating the future, not focused on the past. Mm. So speaking about this negative and turning it into a positive, I find that a lot of people actually do struggle with positivity because it is quite a hard thing to manifest in one's life. So there's so much negativity out there in the world and there's rarely much positivity I find. So how do you encourage or how do you teach people to manifest this area of positivity and what does that actually look like? Well, it looks like this little story about a man who goes to the village to speak to the wise man. Mm. And he says to the wise man, I feel like there are two dogs inside me. I have this positive, optimistic, and energetic dog. And then I have this mean-spirit, angry, negative dog, and they fight all the time. Mm. I don't know who's going to win. And the wise man thinks for a moment and says, I know who's going to win, the one you feed the most. So mm -hmm. feed the positive dog. Yeah. And every day we could choose to feed the positive or the negative inside of us. And whichever one we feed, that's what grows. So for me... Positivity is about feeding yourself each day with the positivity that you need to keep on moving forward. It's about weeding the negative. It's seeing the mind like a garden. Mm. You have to weed and feed the garden. If you mm. don't, right, you get weeds. Yep. If you don't feed it with nourishment, it doesn't grow healthy. So you have to feed it with the nourishment it needs to grow. And so when you treat your mind like a garden and you weed and feed on a daily basis, over time, that garden starts to look magnificent. Mm. And that's what I've done in my life. Like as someone who's very negative, who dealt with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety and fear and depression at, mm. at one point, I've literally rewired my brain. I have cultivated a new mindset, a new perspective, a new approach, a new heart and soul as well, I would say as well, mm. with all my praying and faith and just trust and surrendering each day has made mm. a huge impact on me as well. Wow. And so I found faith that had a huge impact on my life that made me more positive. Mm. But, but doing this throughout the years, I'm now someone who can be a light for others. Mm. Whereas in the past, when I lost my job during the dot-com crash, I fell apart. But now I, through all this, I was able to be someone who could be strong and help others through this challenging time. Well, that's amazing. I want to get to your faith in a moment, but I want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned that you ended up in a, a part of depression and you were very anxious and, and all that. Uh, so what, what ended up happening for you? Well, the word... Anxious literally means divided. Yeah. And so right. when you're anxious, you're, you're divided. You feel separate from, from God. You feel separate from mm. people closest to you, separate from yourself in many ways. So what happened with me is was, was when my wife almost left me, it made me realize I needed to change. Mm. So I began taking these walks every day and walks of gratitude. I read you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. Mm. So each day I would take these gratitude walks, these thank you walks. And I would say what I'm thankful for. And over time that started to flood these positive emotions into my brain and body that, that just caused me to feel better, that uplifted me rather than stressed me. Mm. And that changed a lot. And then on those walks, I started to pray. So I was doing that every single day. Mm. My wife wanted me to go on medication, but I said, no, no, I want to try it just doing it this way. Mm. And I did, I changed. Now I'm not saying everyone should follow my recipe, but I saw that my mind didn't need fixing yeah. My soul needed healing. That's great. And as I healed my soul and my mind, everything started to change. Mm. And then my outer world changed because my inner world changed. Mm. So speaking about your faith there for a moment, 
how did you find God? Was it just like this sudden realization of you just praying all of a sudden or was there something as I was leading walking, up? Yeah. yeah. As I was walking and taking these gratitude walks and I started to pray, it's weird. The more I was open and opening myself up, that's when God comes in. Mm. So you basically open the door, God comes in. And so I opened the door and then God started to work in me and my heart and my soul. And you can't really explain it to someone if they've ever been through it. Yeah. It's like eating the really good chocolate cake or like I should say the amazing chocolate cake. And if I've had the chocolate cake and you've had it, we know how good it is. But if someone hasn't had the chocolate cake, yeah. they have no idea what we're talking about. But once you've had the chocolate cake, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I had that. I know what that's like. Mm. And that's what happened to me. I, I ate the chocolate cake and I understood what this feeling felt like. And I mm. saw God changing me from the inside out. And mm. from there, I was actually a meditator. So I was a, you know, practiced a lot of Buddhism and meditation. And I was meditating. I started seeing a glowing cross, which is pretty wow. wild. Yeah, really wild. And then I started to listen to some CDs. A friend gave me these sermons that I never listened to before. I wasn't a sermon guy. Mm. Listened to some sermons, really spoke to me. And that started to impact me. So, mm. you know, I'm not here to like convince people of that they should have my faith. I just know that my faith mm. has transformed me into who mm. I am and to what I do. And after I came to faith, I started writing these books. And now I've written 22 books and have impacted a lot of lives. I don't take credit for it. And it's not like, oh, you know, you, you become a faithful person and then you become successful, right? Mm. You become a Christian and then you become successful. No, yeah. my faith in God doesn't make life easier. It made me stronger. That's right. And so yeah. as I had a greater strength, a greater peace, a greater joy, next thing you know, I'm able to take on my challenges and my problems. Mm. I'm looking at things differently. I'm more compassionate, more loving, a better husband, to my wife. We wrote a book called relationship grit that comes mm. out at the end of August. And that's mm. where we share our full story. Like we share the ups and downs, the transparency. I mean, people are going to read this book and go, really? Well, I didn't know John was so negative. Wow. <laughs> this is the real John of what he was like. This is what I was like. My wife's sharing the whole truth about what I was like wow. and, and how I changed. And then you see the transformation over the years to now 23 years later in the kind mm. of life we have now, the kind of marriage we have, and you know that something happened. There was a transformation that took place. That's why I want to share this because I know a lot of men struggle. I know a lot of people struggle. A lot of couples struggle. So I, we wanted to share our story. We wanted to mm. share our truths. We wanted to share the lessons that helped us along the way to help couples that are going through tough times as well. Mm. And, and for me personally, to help men that are going through tough times who maybe aren't willing to change. But if you change, you'll be a better you and then you'll create a better family in the process of, mm. of doing that. That's good. So yeah, for me, it was, was, it was all transformation. Wow. I'm curious to know now about this relationship aspect and what exactly you were doing in the relationship that sort of was making it worse. And how did you change that around? And what were some of the things that you did differently to help this relationship become better and, and Great flourish? Question. Great question. I was focused on me, mm. not we. I was a narcissist. It was all about me and success. It wasn't about putting my wife or my kids first. So I was doing that. This is when they were young and very young and early on. Mm. I wasn't a great husband to, to my wife in terms of like, she was sick and dealing with, uh, you know, some strange illnesses. And I just wasn't very supportive of her. I wasn't really there for her mm. during that time. She had to go to the hospital one time and I didn't even take her. Like I was too busy with work. Like that's, that's like, says a lot about who I was. I was like 28, wow. 29 years old, just young, immature, 
just just a jerk, right? Not there, not supportive. So stressed. I was starting law school and she's still dealing with a lot of the illness stuff. And she's like, I need your help. And I'm like, I can't help you right now. I have law school. I have work I have to do because I was working and had started a business plus law school, two young children. So I couldn't handle all of the pressure and stress that was going on in my life. So mm. what changed was when uh, she almost left me. I'm now about 30, 31. And then I start to change. I start to become a better person. And then mm. I find my faith 35. And then I really become a much better person. I start to really be there for her, put her first, the kids first. I start to be there for them. I am listening more. I'm helping more. So I just become a more compassionate person, more, more of a helpful person mm. and less about me, me, me. I realized like, yeah, we talked about success earlier. That's where I was focusing on success being about me. And I realized it wasn't about me. It was about others. Mm. Cause it's interesting that you mentioned that you, you, you started to give more of yourself there. You give more of your time. Do you think that is the actual key to having a, a, healthy relationship with someone is just actually being there for them. That's it right there. I read a, a report and some research that talked about the key to a successful marriage mm. is to be available for the person when they ask for your help. Mm. And it could be just little things. Can you take out the trash? Can you help me with my car? Can I just talk to you for five minutes about what's going on? And you make time, you make yourself available. The couples that make themselves available more often than not are the ones that have the strong relationships. Mm. Little bits of time, doesn't have to be a lot of time, but to be there for them. Yes, that's the, one of the keys mm. to a successful marriage. Also, communication is essential. You got to talk about it. You got to communicate, communicate, communicate. <laughs> My wife would make sure that we would communicate and have a choice. Just recently, I said, honey, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like to be married to me? She said, Pre-COVID or now? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. <laughs> After spending so much of our time together. Yeah. And then one time I remember I asked her, like, how much do you miss me on a scale of one to 10? I thought she was going to say 11. She went six. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way. So I think it's important to communicate and make sure you have these conversations about how you're doing, have the difficult conversations about the challenges you're experiencing going through. Mm. It's, it's everything. Communication builds trust. Trust generates commitment. Commitment fosters teamwork. Teamwork delivers results. Mm. And a lot of the time for young people as well, I find they need to learn how to really listen and engage with someone being there 100%, not having other things like phones are the biggest distraction in the world. Like you just got to put things away and really just knuckle down, focus on being here and now with the person and being my son's yeah. 20, my, mm. my son is 20 years old. So when I go to talk to him, I'll say, put your phone down. I got to talk to you about something like, put your phone down. We got to talk and yep. he'll ignore me unless he puts his phone down. <laughs> I have to make him put his phone down for us to have a conversation. It's amazing. Cause when I, when I was growing up, we didn't have phones and that wasn't that long ago actually. And I didn't get my first phone until I think I was about 14, 13, 14 which was a, a brick of a thing. You didn't have Instagram. You didn't have any of, of those good apps, but you, you just see the the difference between communication back in the day when you're growing up and asking questions, being curious to now where not many people are actually curious enough to ask questions. And there comes like this fear of what if I ask a question, they're going to think I'm stupid or they're not actually going to respond to me. So I'm curious to know 
this topic of fear and uh, how do you, what strategies do you give to people when they do come to you and say, hey, look, John, I am afraid or I am fearful of what's next for me and how do I, how do I fix that? Well, it depends on where the fear is coming from, but, but most often the fear is where they are uncertain. It's where they lack trust and mm-hmm. it's why they fear. And so the ultimate way to deal with fear is love mm-hmm. and it's trust. Love casts out fear. So a lot of times if they're fearful of playing a game or their competition or their project at work, love the project at work, love the competition. Mm. love the opportunity to do what you love. Don't worry about the outcome. You're fearful because you're worried about the outcome. No, love the process, love the moment, love the opportunity of what you get to do. And if you love it, you won't fear it. So that's one of my key strategies. I wrote about this in the carpenter Mm. and it's a great strategy. And a lot of people have used it and it really does work. Mm. It's also trust. You know, I'm fearful about my future right now as you know, I'm I'm not, but people may be, I, you know, there are times, you know, little glimpses of it, but I trust, I trust that things are going to work out. I trust that somehow, some way we'll get through this. Mm. And so the more we trust, then our fear gets smaller and smaller. So trust allows us to move through the fear. It Mm. doesn't get rid of it because you're always going to feel some fear. But for me, it's about loving what you do. It's about trusting in the outcome and trusting in a God who ultimately decides the outcome Mm. and knowing that you're not in control. So Mm. it's about just being your best and let God do the rest. I think we are fearful because we think that we're God. Yeah. And so we're actually fearful because we're not God. Yeah. And so we feel like we have to create the future. We have, we feel like we have to decide what's going to happen when you're not really in control. Mm. And so once you realize that you're not God and you can trust the fear goes away. So, mm. um, I should say it better. We want to, try to be like God. Cause we don't trust God. That's it. Yeah. We don't trust in God. So we try to be like God. Mm. The key is to realize you're not God. It's the trusting God surrender to the outcome. And then you'll find more peace and joy in those moments. Mm. And if someone says, John, I tried that, but I'm just afraid I'm fearful. Well, then you're not really trusting. That's why yeah. Because you really don't have trust. Cause if you had trust and you had faith, you wouldn't feel that fear in that moment. Mm. But then I love to encourage people because the word encourage means to put courage into someone. Mm. to put courage into. And so when I encourage you, I'm putting courage into you. Mm. So the courage allows you to move through the fear to accomplish something great. And I believe love drives the courage. Mm. Trust drives the courage because I am trusting and I am loving. I now have more courage to go after what I want to go after. And maybe that's why I've created the success I've created because I'm not worried about the outcome. I'm just Mm. going for it. Mm. That's really good. Um, Is there any question that you have right now that you have not been able to get an answer for and what what is that question that one day when you do meet god you're going to ask him yeah i want to know why i mean just why (laughs) like i understand the big picture i just did a great podcast with my friend erwin mcmanus who's a Mm. pastor and we talked about all these difficult questions that people have like why does God allow evil? Why does God allow pandemics yep. and all these things? I want to ask like, why? Like, why is this the setup? Because I do get it's a battle of good versus evil, but why mm. did you choose good and evil? Why do you allow evil? Why do you allow this to be the story that we're telling? So what was the reasoning for that? And also how? Yep. <laughs> I want to know like, 
how are we experiencing this life? Because we really are energy. You know, we are made up of energy. Everyone is. Right now we're communicating across continents. Yep. And yet here we are connecting, seeing each other, talking like we're next door. Yeah. It's wild. We're broadcasting energy via sounds and images. And ultimately we're energy. When you realize that, you know that there's more going on, mm. more going on than meets the eye. People atheists and so forth, you know, they look at the biological nature of a human being and they see flesh and so forth. No, you can't look at that. You've got to look at the energetic nature of a human being and realize that the cells, 100 trillion cells are communicating at an energetic level, communicating via energy in some capacity that we can't even fathom or understand. That should let you know that there's so much more going on. Mm. And when we think of God, it's not like he's this bearded guy in the sky. It's like this incredible intelligence that is beyond our comprehension Mm. that can actually create a solar system, a universe and us. And by the way, the word universe means one song. Ah, I didn't know that. Universe. Yeah. We are living in the one song. We are the energetic frequencies in a universe. I just learned something there. Incredible. Well, I'm glad I I came on. At least I, at least I shared one thing. (laughs) No, no, honestly, you've been sharing a lot of things that have gotten my mind really, really thinking at the moment, which is a dangerous thing for me because my brain's always going a million miles an hour. So trying to focus on the one thought or more thoughts is just very tricky for me. But I know I, when, when the same, when I'm doing interviews as well, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, but I have to think of the next question. <laughs> I also have to listen. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very difficult challenge to be present, but also want to think of the next question. Cause when you're done, you got to think about what's the next question after that. You don't want this awkward pause, right? Or you'll lose uh, the question and then you go try and figure it out again. It's like, Yep. <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've, I've been there, but my book, the garden, it comes out in at the end of June, the garden, and it's about the battle of good versus evil. So I, mm. I, I hope you read it. I encourage others to read it. It's really going to be a powerful story that they'll learn. And I think they'll understand so much more when they read this. Cause it just, I wrote it about a week and a half. It's pretty powerful. What? And it, <laughs> A week and a half. It's like the five D's that, you know, evil uses to try to sabotage us and how we can overcome those five D's. Mm. And the five D's are doubt, discouragement, distortion, which is lies, distractions, and division. And we have to overcome those five D's to create the life that we are meant to live. Wow. That's incredible. I have two more questions for you, if you don't mind, John, please. And, and, And that is, you've reached the age of 100 and your friends have put together a mixtape of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done in your life. Don't ask me how they got it. They just did. <laughs> and um, they put it together for you and they've, they've shown it to you on, on your 100th birthday. What do you want that mixtape to say and to show? Well, one, I'm glad I made it to 100. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's actually be a great thing. But you're aging me already saying 100. See, I want to reverse the aging process. I always mm. tell my kids, I refuse to age. I refuse to age. That's good. Yeah. I refuse to age. And I think I'm getting younger. So I refuse. I look better now than I did five years ago. So I'm you don't, younger, you don't look getting old. younger, getting healthier. You know, that's yeah. my thing. 49 years old, getting younger and healthier. So, so I refuse to age, but when I am a hundred, that would be almost 50 years from now. Right. So, or a little more than 50. I hope people will say that my books or my talks or these kind of conversations had an impact on their life. Really, mm. that's it. As long as I've done that, then that is a life well lived. Mm. 
And my last question for you, John, is three main pieces of advice that you could give to someone starting out in their life or in their career, struggling in their life or in their career, or needing a boost in their life or in their career. One, I would say, talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Mm. When those negative thoughts come in, we talked about a little bit earlier, when those negative thoughts come in, don't listen to those negative thoughts. Instead, speak truth to those thoughts. Mm. And those truth, and the truth is you're here to do great things. There's a purpose for your life. Mm. There's a plan for your life. So trust in that plan. So continually speak truth. You want to you be great because there is greatest inside of you. So I would say, talk to yourself. Don't listen to the negative thoughts. Talk to yourself with encouraging words. Mm. I would tell you to serve others. That when you look to serve others and you help them grow and you help them improve, you improve and mm. you grow. And I would say, make sure you're living with, with, with purpose and passion. Don't chase success. Mm. Decide to live with purpose and passion. And when you do that, success will find you. Mm. And we, we don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. So what is your why? Mm. Really seek that purpose. Don't give up on it. And then when you live it and share it, you'll be such a powerful force in mm. the universe and make a greater impact. I love that. And I feel like that is a great way to sort of end that conversation. I wish we had more time, John, but thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast, sharing a little bit about your journey. I know there's so much we could have touched on, but I really appreciate your time today. So thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much, Jay. We gotta we gotta make people want more. So if they wanna if they wanna oh, reach yeah. out, they can they can come to johngordon.com, J-O-N Gordon.com, Twitter, Instagram at J-O-N Gordon11. Mm. And I appreciate you getting up so early. It was a, it's five p.m. my time here in the States, and it's like seven a.m. your time. So I'm always up at four a.m. So it's all good. I've done I've done interviews at three a.m. in the morning. So I'm I'm alive. I'm just really happy, really excited that I get to do this and share your story and others as well. So I'm really, really thankful for you, John. Thank you. Hey, thank you for you. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you very much. (laughs) All good, mate. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Storybox podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this one, you can do so now over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just by searching up the Storybox. And if you got something out of this week's episode, please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and share it around with your friends and family. Let's start changing people's lives through powerful stories. You can also connect with the Storybox on social media for updates or to send a, a nice message via Instagram and Facebook just by searching up the Storybox. It's that easy. Until we dive next week back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom and don't forget to share your story around. I'll catch you then. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.